one of Matthew chapter number nine. The Bible said, and he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, laying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore thank ye evil in your hearts? For whether is it easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven, or to say, Arise and walk? But but that ye might know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto man. You can be seated. We'll pray. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity. Lord, just to be back in your house uh, this morning. Lord, just to worship You, Lord, just to thank You for all You have done for us. Lord, we thank You for the Bible, Lord, You have gave to us. Lord, we thank You for the grace, Lord, that You've shown in our life and in our hearts. Lord, I ask You today, Lord, that You touch, Lord, this service. Lord, I ask You, Lord, that You draw our hearts and draw our mind closer to You. And Lord, just like what we read, Lord, that You've done for this Man, in Mark chapter number 9, Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that You did the same thing spiritually, Lord, in our life. Lord, we ask You, Lord, to manifest Your presence, Lord, in the service today. Help men and women's heart, Lord, and we'll thank You for all You have done for us. In Jesus Christ, we do humbly pray. Amen. Just like we read in Matthew chapter number 8, in verse number 26, uh, that our Lord displays His power over the winds and the waves. Before His disciples, we see as He stood in verse number 26 of Matthew chapter number 8, and the Bible said, And He saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The Bible said in verse number 27 of Matthew 8, But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Well, my friend, this morning, just like Jesus uh, before His disciples in Matthew 8 demonstrated and displayed His power over the winds and the wave. Well, when you and I come to our reading in Matthew chapter number 9, Jesus now in the midst of His disciple displays His, uh, uh, and, and, and brings forth His power over man's weakness and man's uh, weight of sin that man carries. Uh, we find 
find here uh, just as our Lord provided shelter in the midst of the winds and the waves in Matthew chapter 8 well in Matthew chapter 9 it is our Lord again which provides strength and provides salvation in the midst of man's weakness in the midst of the weight of sin that men carries in Matthew chapter number 8 27 we read but the men marveled well in Matthew chapter 9 in verse number 8 we read but the multitude saw it and they marveled now I'm thankful today all across this land if we'd get our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ as the disciples did in Matthew 8 and the multitudes did in Matthew 9 we'll have to do nothing nothing less but to marvel at the fact and say what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him that even at his voice the lame began to walk the dumb began to speak and the dead arose and I'm thankful that you and I we serve no ordinary man but we serve the Lord Jesus Christ and here in Matthew chapter 9 as our Lord demonstrates and puts on display his power before his disciples and even before the multitude that man is weak indeed but God will provide strength for their life when no other man can provide it and no no doubt that man carries the weight of sin upon their shoulder and it is our Lord that provides salvation to meet man's needs well it is in Matthew chapter 9 that our mind is drawn off of the storm and our mind is now drawn to one man that is sick of the palsy. We notice here in verse number 2 as our text this morning we read, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. We notice here that this man no doubt is sick of the palsy. Notice here, but more so, but more so, this man has been poisoned by sin. Not only is he physically sick, outwardly, but more so inwardly. He is spiritually sick as well. And it is before the Lord begins to work on this man. In Matthew chapter number 9 and verse number 2, his friends brought him to Christ because of a physical need in his life. He was sick of the palsy. But what we do find interesting here in our text that before Jesus begins to work on this man's outward appearance and his outward sickness, that it is God that looks past the outward appearance in which man sees. And God begins to work on him inwardly first. Now I want to tell you this morning, that's how salvation works. Salvation does not clean a man up from the outside to the 
in, but salvation cleans a man up from the inside and it works and it shows forth on the outside. Man saw these men that was carrying this man to Christ. They only they only saw his outward need for Christ that he was paralyzed, that he could not walk, that he could not help himself. And they knew that, that if he was going to get help, then it would be in the midst of the Lord. But notice here when these men brought this man into Christ, Christ does not look at his outward appearance. The Bible says man looks on the outward appearance, but God seeth the heart. And when this man was brought before Jesus Christ, Jesus did not see him laying in a bed because of his physical condition, but Jesus saw him tied to a bed because of his spiritual condition in Christ. And what God begins to do before he ever meets the need of this man's outward appearance, God begins to work on his inward appearance and that is that he is lost and in need of a Savior. So notice here, I want to preach this for a few moments on forgiven and free. Before one will ever be free, they must be first forgiven. We find a man in Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 2, there's nothing free about his life for he's laying day in and day out on a bed. He is laying day in and day out on other men waiting on him hand and foot. If he wanted to get up and go to Christ, he had to depend on somebody else to take him there. I want to tell you that's just the way it is with me and you this morning. I couldn't get it to I couldn't get to Christ by myself, and you couldn't either. But it had to be the Spirit of God that brought us into the midst of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here this man is totally dependent on his companions to get him into the midst of Christ. This man is dependent on his companions every area of his life. He is in bondage to this physical sickness. Just like you and I was in bondage to sin. But notice, I want to look at three things about this text in verse number 2 and we'll be done. First of all, I notice that this man here is sick of the palsy. And I want to look at first of all his condition. His condition. Well, it's easy to see in verse number 2 that he is sick of the palsy. That word palsy there means paralyzed. That means disabled. This man is disabled. So notice what we find about this sickness that he is lying on a bed. And first of all, in this sickness, we notice his bed. Notice here about this man's condition that he is sick of the palsy but we must notice about his condition is the bed in which he is laying on. Now notice what Christ said to this man first before Jesus said take up thy bed and walk Jesus said in verse number 2 he said son 
be of good cheer. He said, thy sins be forgiven. So when we look at this man's condition, for a few moments, I want to look past, just like Christ did, I want to look past the physical condition of this man, and I want to look at his spiritual condition before Christ. And we must notice his bed. First of all, we notice that it was a bed of suffering. Notice here in this bed, we notice that he is laying there sick of the palsy. He cannot move. He is disabled. He is paralyzed. He cannot lift up his head. He cannot lift up his hand. He cannot lift up his foot. He is totally disabled. So I can just imagine this morning of what this man is going through as he is laying there on his bed, his place of residence, 24 hours a day, seven days a week is this bed. So no doubt, I believe it is a bed of suffering. He is suffering, I believe, in battling mental suffering, knowing, knowing that he cannot do nothing for himself, knowing that if he is ever going to get anywhere, it's going to be by other men carrying him. I can just imagine the mental suffering that this man is taking. And I believe and began to relate this man's condition to a sin condition this morning. Sin will, sin will cause a battle mentally in one's life. The Bible said, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, has a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil loves to attack the mind and to distract the mind. Well, what I believe is happening in this man here as his condition has brought him to a bed, a bed of suffering, the devil is beginning to attack his mind and begin maybe to come by this way and say, you'll never amount to nothing. You'll never be able to walk. You'll never be able to use your hands. You'll never be able to use your feet. I want to tell you, that's what the devil whispered in our ears when we was lost and on our way to hell, that you'll never be able to use your hands for the glory of God. You'll never be able to use your feet for the glory of God. You'll never be able to use your mouth for the glory of God. Well, I want to tell you this man is suffering mental and it is a bed of suffering. Not only is he suffering mentally, but he is suffering physically as well. Notice here, notice here, I don't know if you've ever been in the spot like this man, maybe laid up, could not walk, could not use a portion of your body, but notice here, his sickness has brought pain unto his body. And that's what sin does. Sin does the exact same thing that this man here is experiencing. In verse number 2, it will cause mental problem to mine in your mind and it will cause a physical pain to mine in your life. I've seen them messed up on stuff that sin has caused they can even concentrate right. They can even think right. Why? Because sin has done had full control of their body. And now not only are they suffering mentally, but they are now at a state of suffering physically. And that is where this man here is in verse 2 of our text. 
not only do we notice his bed, but we notice it was a bed of suffering, but it was a bed of sin. Notice here, no doubt that he is battling suffering, or he is battling mentally suffering, he is battling physical suffering, but it is a bed of sin. Now notice this, not all, not all sickness is caused from sin. Just because one is sick does not mean that sin is the result. Notice here, you remember what you remember what they said to that uh, Jesus in John chapter number nine. When that boy was born blind, Jesus they came to Jesus and said, "Did his parents sin?" Or did this man sin? Jesus said it's where the Son of God would be glorified. Not all sickness is the cause of sin, but in this case, in Matthew chapter number 9, his sickness is because of his sin. You say, I don't know if I believe that preacher. Then why did Jesus say unto him first, Son, Thy sins be forgiven because Jesus knew it was the sin in His life that was the root of His problem. You may walk in the house of God this morning burning down with problems. I want to say, have you searched? Have you searched and said, Lord, search me. Search my heart. For can I tell you this morning, sin was the root of this man's problem. I want to tell you, you want to get in some trouble. You want to have problems in your life. First of all, you get saved by God's amazing grace. Trouble days will come. But I want to tell you, if you're saved today and you're out in sin, you're dabbling in sin, well, can I tell you, there is going to be troublesome days in your life. Why? Because sin does not go unpunished. And here, no doubt, is it a bed of suffering. But sin has put him in this position. Sin has laid him in this bed. And can I make it real clear? He can do nothing to get himself out of this bed. These, these four men in Mark chapter 2, it said he was born of four. These four men, as much as they wanted to get him up, they could not get him up out of the bed. And no one, No one could get us out of the bed of sin except for the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here, not only do we see His condition, not only do we see and notice His bed, but we notice His body as well. Notice His body as well. Notice here we find that He is paralyzed. He is sick of the palsy. Therefore, His body was in bonds. He was in bondage physically. He could not move. But more so, we look past his physical state, more so this man is in bondage spiritually. He was in bondage spiritually. We notice his condition. We notice his bed. It was a bed of suffering, a bed of sin, but we notice his body was in bondage physically and spiritually. And if you're here today lost and undone without Christ, your life, my life, was a picture of this man's life. We was in a bed of suffering, a bed of sin. Our body 
Our body was in bonds to Satan and sin. We was in bondage spiritually. Not only do we notice his condition in our text, but we notice also in verse number 2, his companions. His companions. Notice what it says in verse number 2. And behold, they brought to him. Somebody brought this man unto Christ. And it was, I believe, his companions. His companions. Notice here, his companions knew that they had no power over this man's condition. We notice that his companions brought him into the midst of Christ. It was his companions that realized that they had no power in their hands to get this man up. It was, the, it was his companions that knew they had no power within themselves to get this man up, to make this man able to walk again. But can I tell you something about his companions? However, they knew of God's power. They knew of God's power. And friend, today, if you and I ever want to see our loved ones get saved, ever want to see our companions get saved that are lost and out of this world, we must first realize that we have no power to get them there. We have no power to get them up out of the condition that they're in, out of the state of sin that they're in. But friend, we must realize, like these, this man's companions realized, that they have no power in their self, but they trusted in one. They believed in one. Why do you say they believe, preacher? Because the Bible said Jesus sinned their faith. These companions had faith in God. They did not put their faith in doctors. They did not put their faith in man. They did not put their faith in other in a preacher, but they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they knew that He had power. He had power to get this man up and allow this man to walk again, to give this man life. Why did they have power? Because they experienced it in their own life. And it was the power that was living in living within them that motivated them to bring their friend to Christ. And I want to tell you, if you're truly saved, if I'm truly saved by God's amazing grace, there's a power within us that motivates us to get sinners under the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. They was motivated. They was motivated not on their own power or their own strength, but God was motivating them to get this man to Christ. We notice that he was brought, but we notice in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 3, the Bible said that he was born of four. So these four men, I believe two in the front, two in the back, toted this man to Christ. We know this account of the Word of God. Mark chapter 2, Matthew does not describe this portion of God's miracle here as Mark does or, or as Luke does. But we know that the multitude surrounded Christ that they couldn't even bring the man through the front door. So what did they do? They had to take him up on the rooftop and throw away some tile and lower him down in the midst of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I noticed his companions, I noticed that they brought him. They brought him, but they bore him. 
They carried him. Well, what do you mean, preacher? I can't carry. I can't carry my lost loved one. No, friend, you may not can carry them physically, but you can carry them prayerfully. You can carry them in prayer to their old-fashioned altar and pray that God would save them from their sin. I want to say these men, these companions had a burden of their, of their friend's condition. And even though they did carry him, they did carry him physically to Christ. But more so, but more so, they carried him prayerfully to Christ. And when we notice that he was born afore, we notice first of all in his companions, we notice the love that they had for their dear friend. Now, I don't know. I don't know if this man was his friend. I'm just saying he was. But one thing I do know, that these four men, they did love the man that was in that bed. They did love him. You may say, preacher, I come in contact with sinners every day. I don't know them. I didn't ask if you know them, but do you love them? These men, they may not have known this man laying in the bed, and they may very may, very may well have known him. But can I tell you one thing I know about this man's companions is that they had a love for the man in the bed. They had a love for sinners. Why? Because God manifested His love on their life. And if you know God's love, and if God's manifested His love to your life and my life, we'll not help ourselves to manifest the love that is dwelling inside of us, which is the love of Christ to sinners. We notice their love for this man in the bed, but we notice their labor for this man in the bed. This man wasn't going to get to Christ by himself. He could not physically get to Christ by himself. So these men took it upon themselves and they labored after this man. They labored after this sinner. Now I want to tell you this morning, church, if sinners are ever going to get saved by God's amazing grace, it's going to be because the saints of God has labored over them in prayer and lifting them up spiritually and taking them to an old-fashioned altar and lifting their name and putting their name in the throne room of heaven. You say, preacher, we're not seeing many get saved today. I want to ask you, are we burdened with sinners? Are we burdened? There is family members and our and our family that will die if they die today without God they'll go to hell and they'll be totally separated from God for all of eternity does that burden our life does that weigh us down and are we are we are we spiritually willing to pick them up and to take them into the midst of Christ prayerfully these men was these men labored over their friend They carried this sick man physically, no doubt prayerfully, and they lowered him in the midst of Christ. What's so special about that preacher? Well, in Mark chapter 2, it tells us that he was preaching the Word. The Word was being preached. I want to tell you, friend, if there is one thing to pray, that is that our lost sinner friends and our lost sinner families would find themselves under the preaching of the Word of God. Why preaching, preacher? Because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. A man has to hear the Word of God to get saved by God's amazing grace. He has to hear 
the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So these men, they loved these companions. They loved this man in the bed. They loved him. They labored after him and they lowered him in the midst of the word of God. And you know what they did? When, when they lowered him in the midst of the word of God, it was the word of God that did a work in this man's life. You want God to work on your life? I want God to work on my life. He works on our life through the word of God. Notice here, not only do we find his condition, we find his companions, but here and I'm done. It wasn't his condition that got him up and walking. It wasn't his conditions that he heard, thy sins are forgiven. It was not his companions that made him get up and walk. It was not his companions that said, son, thy thy sins be forgiven. But it was the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to tell you this morning, despite of what his friends did, that didn't get him saved. It was the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sure, his friends had a part in getting him to Christ, but more so it was God that had compassion on him that this man got saved by God's amazing grace. Let's look at his compassion The Lord's compassion. You know why we're here this morning saved by God's amazing grace? It's because of God's compassion that He has on our life and that He had on our life. Notice here this morning, notice His compassion. In verse number 2 He says, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven. For once, words of comfort entered into this man's ears. From doctors telling him, you'll never walk again. From doctors telling him, you'll never be a, no use, you'll be a vegetable the rest of your life. From people walking by, seeing him in this condition, putting him down. For one time in his life, when he was in the midst of the Word of God, God had a personal message for his life. And I'm thankful that morning when I got saved by God's amazing grace. They may have been a hundred or so in the church, but God had a personal message for my life. And Mark chapter 2, we see that they was busting out the seams. They had to lower the man down from the roof. But that very moment, God had a personal message for this man's life. And he said, son, be of good cheer Be of good cheer. Comfort entered this man's ears for the very first time in this man's life. The compassion of Christ. Now note, it was the companions. It was his companions that brought him to Christ. But it was God's compassion that sought him and bought him. And I'm thankful I'm thankful for God came to seek and to save sinners. It was God that bought him. You say, preacher, why you say bought him? Because Jesus said, son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven. 
Jesus said that because he was soon going to the cross of Calvary. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And Jesus bought this man. He paid for this man's life with the precious blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary. And friend, today we should not take it lightly. The companion that God had for me and God had for you, that he bought us. It wasn't a cheap price that he paid, but it was with his precious blood on the cross of Calvary that he can say to my life and to your life, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven. It was the greatest words that ever entered this man's ears. It was the greatest words that ever came out of the Lord's mouth. You say, preacher, what about for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. There's something sweeter than that was when God spoke into my life and said, Son, thy sins be forgiven. Why is that such a value this morning? Because I don't have to go to hell now. Because God It's my eternal Father. I don't have to spend day in and day out with Satan controlling my life. Why? Because I heard the sweetest words ever when God spoke into my heart. And He said, Son, thy sins be forgiven. It ain't nothing that has control over my life. Sin don't no longer have to reign. But God now reigns totally in our life. Why? Because we heard the sweetest words ever was, Son, thy sins be forgiven. We notice here that the Savior did three things for this man, and I'm done. First of all, He brought forgiveness to this man's life. More so than Jesus seeing His outward condition, He saw His inward condition, and He said, Son, thy sins be forgiven. And that very moment, justification took place in this man's life. You say, preacher, it happened that fast. He didn't have to go to no classes. My friend, he got saved that very moment. Jesus said, son, thy sins be forgiven. Justification took place that very instant in that man's life. But then right after justification took place, uh, that very moment that Christ said, son, thy sins be forgiven. Sanctification began to work uh, in this man's life. Uh, Justification is a one-step process, uh, but sanctification is a lifelong process uh, that works from the inside and it shows Christ uh, on the outside. You know what Jesus said, Son, thy sins be forgiven. Justification took place in his life. He now has peace with God. He now has fellowship with God. But then notice, not only did the Savior bring forgiveness, but He brought freedom. Notice verse number 6. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Uh, This is what brought him freedom. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed. Take up thy bed and go into thy house. That bed, we said, was a bed of suffering. It was a bed of sin. Jesus looked at him and said, Take up thy bed. Take up thy suffering. Take up thy sin. You say, Preacher, how is that possible? The Bible tells us, for he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are here. He carried our sorrows. Jesus brought freedom unto this man's life. He brought forgiveness unto this man's life. And lastly this morning, he brought, free, he brought, he brought a future 
under this man's life. A future. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Before, he had no future. His future was laying on that bed until he died. His deathbed was going to be the bed that they was carrying on. He had no future. But in Jesus Christ, he had a future. Notice verse number 7, what it says. And he arose and departed to his house. In verse number 2, the greatest words that can ever enter a man's ears entered his ears when Jesus looked down at him and said, Son, thy sins, or son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven. But can I tell you this morning, that was not the first time, or that was not the only time that he would hear those words, be of good cheer. Can I tell you this morning, as a child of God, we heard those words, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven. This man now has a future in Christ. Sanctification has taken place in his life. He is now walking. He is now living. He is now living for Christ. And notice here, he's got a future in the Word of God, in God Himself. And as he's walking back to his house, I believe those words are ringing in his ears, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven. Then as he lives his life and continues his life, he remembers that it ain't the only time that he'll hear, Son, be of good cheer. But there would be some storms would arise in his life. There would be some more difficult times in his life. There would be times of fear in his life. Well, Jesus had him a word for that. As them words echoed through his heart and through his ears, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven. He would also hear those words again. And we find in Matthew chapter 15 when Jesus spoke these words, Be of good cheer. It is I be not afraid. You know what Jesus promised this man here when he heard these words? Be uh, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven. Jesus spoke them again to his disciples in the midst of a storm, in the in the midst of winds blowing against their life, in the midst of waves rocking their life. Jesus said unto them, "Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid." Can I tell you, this man had a future that the presence of God would be with him day in and day out. Just like just like he had to wait on men, men had to wait on him hand and foot, and the presence of other men was surround his life day in and day out. Jesus said, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. Jesus promised him in his future that he would experience the presence of God. Then John's Gospel, chapter number 16. John chapter number 16 and verse number 33. As this man would continue his walk through life, surely the winds and the waves would be pushing against his life. And God promised him His presence. When He said, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Well, Jesus spoke this not only to the man's life, not only to the multitude's life, but He spoke it to mine in your life as well. In John chapter 15 or 16 rather, in verse 33, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. 
in the world ye shall have tribulation. That word is distress, affliction, trouble, or pressure. This man no longer will suffer from the weight of being paralyzed, but he will experience some persecution in his life. He will experience some pressures of this world in his life, just like you and just like me. But once again, as Jesus said, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And Jesus gave him a future of the peace of God being surrounded his life. Well, in John chapter 16, Jesus said, be be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus here gives him a future in the peace of God. And this morning, church, we first of all, the first words that entered our ears, the best words that entered our ears was just like this man when Jesus said, Son, be of good cheer. Be happy. Be uplifted. Why? Because thy sins are forgiven. Preacher, you don't understand. I'm saved. I'm going after God. But the winds and the waves of this life are pushing me and tossing me to and fro. Well, our Lord said it. Be of good cheer. Be uplifted. Be full of comfort because it is I. Be not afraid that His peace will surround us in the wind and waves of what this life pressures against us. And then, and then, preacher, I'm living. I'm up. Justifications took place. Sanctification still taking place. He's still working on me. But preacher, this world has got pressure against me. Well, friend, this morning Jesus said, He said, be of good cheer. He said, I have overcome the world. I'm thankful this morning that we've got a promise in our future of His presence. But we also got a promise of His peace. Why? Because it was promised that He would pardon our sins. I'm thinking pardon. I'm thankful that pardon took place. That He pardoned my sins. Then He gave me He gave me His presence and He gave me His peace for all of eternity. You know what our future is? Just like this man, He got up. He now, He is no, no, no longer laying in suffering but He's carrying His suffering. It's beside Him. Why? Because Jesus said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. He wouldn't carry that bed back to His house. But there was not four companions. There was one companion beside Him and it was the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'll carry your suffering. I'll carry your weight of sin. I'll be your peace. I'll be your presence. And I'm thankful today that you and I have got a future. No matter if this world flops upside down, we've got, we've got those words. Be of good cheer. It is I be not afraid. We've got those words. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We've got those words. Be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven.